0: If you have your Bible with you this morning, would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm going to pick it up at verse 15. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. And you were dead. made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Our Father in heaven, Lord, I ask for your blessing on this study this morning. Father, I pray that it would be beneficial, it would be helpful to the saints. Father, that it would bring also a sweet refreshment to the body of Christ. For, Lord, I pray, that, I pray that none of us here are wanting to play some sort of religious game to fool people. But, dear God, that this would be truly a desire in our hearts to be a people that are holy, a people that are in Christ, a people that are wanting to share the good news of the Lord Jesus. And that, Father God, you, you would be pleased at this assembly So, Lord, please, as you always do, would you grant me grace today? As I open your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Most of you know my background is a church-going individual. I I don't have a single memory that does not involve attending church and being part of a local church. It's it's the it's my background. I was raised in church, raised by Christian parents, um, good churches. I'm not one of those that is uh, um, seeking to be de-churched or anything of that nature. I, my memories are sweet, and I love um, those who were my, my pastors, and I praise God for the local church. I was telling the kids this morning that just about every really sweet memory that I have has some kind of connection to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The interesting part is that to particularly the local church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll get to that in just a second. But I wanted to say something before I jump into this message, and it's just my observation of our culture, church culture and unsaved culture. It seems to me that commitment has fallen on pretty hard times in our culture. In many ways, in marriage, in jobs, financial commitments, commitments to promises that were made, commitments to the Lord Jesus Christ, commitments to his local church. It seems that there's something going on and has been going on for some time. It's probably something innate that's always been there, and Dan's just picking up on it that we want to keep our options open, and it's hard to say, yeah, I'm all in. Regardless of what happens, ship goes down, I go down with it. I want in all the way. I don't hear that as much. I don't see that as much. Years ago, I remember hearing somebody wanting to change their, their um, wedding vows to instead of death to us part to as long as love shall last. <clears throat> yeah, that's what I said too. <clears throat> What, what does that mean? Who decides that? I mean, there's just a million questions that come. It just sounds like somebody saying, well, I don't want to commit. What else can we say? Commitment's falling on hard times. And so I'm talking about church membership this morning. The elders thought it wise, and, and, and as we talked about it, we thought, yeah, we should do this since we're doing a membership class. We haven't had a church membership class for two years. And now we're wanting to hold one, and we thought, you know, uh, some explanation of why we hold to biblical church membership. And by the way, when I say church membership, I'll get into this in just a second, I mean specifically membership to the local church. Um, It felt like we should should spend some time at the pulpit on this subject um, before we put a sign-up sheet out there for folks to attend. So that way, you know what you're getting into if you so desire to become a member of Pacific Coast Bible Church. Um, I know when the world hears church membership, they put it right up there with membership to um, a different club or a bowling league or something along those lines. So when you say, yeah, I'll be a member, really what you're saying is, yeah, what dues do I have to pay and what benefits do I get and how often do we meet? That's a far cry from what I'm about to share with you this morning, a far cry. I don't blame them, they're the world. They're deaf, dumb, and blind. They don't know what they're talking about. They haven't been born again by the Spirit of God. They don't know. So I'm not not harping them, I'm just saying that might be their perspective. Beloved, that should not be our perspective in reference to church membership. Commitment to a local church has fallen on extremely hard times. Church shopping is acceptable and practiced consistently in our world. Now, I certainly believe there are times to leave a local church. Don't miss me on that. But that's not necessarily what I hear oftentimes in reference to people who are wanting to leave the church. Now, I want to pray for these guys right now um, just because they're so heavy on my heart. When I hear that siren, I can't not. So let me pray for them. Father, uh, wherever these first responders are headed, I, I pray that you would bless them. Uh, Lord, you'd give them the encouragement needed. You'd give them the skills needed. Bring it to their mind, Lord. They're rushing to somebody's emergency. And what a blessing. What a tremendous blessing that there's somebody ready to rush to an emergency and help them in that, Lord. So bless these guys. I pray in your name. Amen. So, coming back to church membership, I want to talk to you about biblical church membership. I don't know about you, but... When I first heard the concept of church membership, I was turned 18 and I could make a decision to become a church member of Foothills Community Church or not. I decided that I wanted to. I did not have any biblical grasp of what biblical church membership was. And so um, I got a better grasp then, but I got a much better grasp teaching this a few years ago here at PCBC and going through membership classes with folks because I don't know about you, but when people start posing hard questions to what you say we're going to do, it really causes you to start digging deep. Why do we do that? Why do we hold to that? Is there a biblical reason, or is this just something we formulated to, to make it easier on us, or easier on you, or whatnot? Well, first off, let me just make this statement about what is the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. You are called out from the world, this word church, used in two different ways in your New Testament. The universal church, or invisible church, and the local church, or visible church. So track with me real quick. This is I'm doing a little bit of housekeeping to get to church membership. The universal church is made up of all believers throughout history, all believers throughout time. Every single person who will be in heaven is the universal church, or the invisible church. Um, Brothers and sisters in Kenya, brothers and sisters in Washington, brothers and sisters in Europe, brothers and sisters who were alive in the 1600s, they're all a part of that universal church. My grandfather is part of the universal church. He's with the Lord now. My father is part of the universal church. He's in Washington, and I stand here. We are all a part of that invisible universal church. All believers everywhere and for all time. How does one join this church? Well, it's made up only of true believers that have been born again by the Holy Spirit's work of regeneration. So it's only made up of true believers, those who have been genuinely born again by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God makes them new. This is all those who will be in heaven, as I said earlier. They're joined by faith in Jesus Christ and His atoning sacrifices. Now, the sacrifice. As you go to the New Testament, you see a few places where the term church is used in reference to the universal church. Um, Let me just give you those to jot down. Uh, You'll see that in Ephesians chapter 1, as I was reading, 22 through 23, chapter 5, verses 25, and Acts 2, verse 47. I'm not going to turn to those right now, but I just want to say there's a few spots throughout the New Testament where when it makes reference to the church, it's speaking of every single believer, true saved people. Um, when we hear about Jesus saying, I will build my church, that doesn't mean he was doing a church plant in Jerusalem. That means what, he was, what he's saying is, I will build, I will bring dead to to dead people, to living people, spiritually speaking. I will build this kingdom. So, you see that, but it's not the majority of the use in the New Testament. The majority of the use in the New Testament is in reference to the local church. You'll see, and the thing is, I'm not even going to unfold a bunch of passages in front of you on this, because the fact is it's everywhere. To the church that is in Corinth, to the church that is in Ephesus, We even hear in the New Testament numerous times to the church that's in your home. And you see this over and over and over. I find it very fascinating, beloved. The Bible does not have the concept of a Lone Ranger Christian who's apart from the body of Christ. It's not there. I don't see it in the Scripture. Now, Dan, are you saying that you have to be part of a local church in order to be saved? No. What I am saying is, as I search through the New Testament, I don't see Christians saying, I'm good without the body of Christ. You don't detach it. You're the called out ones. Called to what? Called to Christ, but also called to his church. Now here's where it gets tricky. Local visible church is made up of believers and unbelievers. I've been a pastor for 16 years, and one thing I have learned is that attending church does not mean born again took 16 years for me to get through that thick skull. But it's the reality. Unsaved people can be in the church. They can make a false profession of faith and truly not be saved. They can attend, they can play the game, and really not know the Lord Jesus Christ. As John says in 1 John, they went out from us to show that they were never of us. But for a time, they were of us. A group of professing Christians that meet in a certain geographical location. Uh, a term that Raj uses often is the expression of the body of Christ in Pacific City. And I kind of like that terminology because, um, don't tell Raj, he'll go crazy with that. But, um, I like it because what it's doing is connecting, it's not, it's not separating the universal from the local. It's saying, no, the local is a part of the universal and the universal is present geographically in that particular spot, local. So I like, I like that terminology of the expression of the body of Christ in Pacific City. This local church is made up of elders, deacons, and the congregation, Philippians 1.1. Let me just make a brief little case here real quick. And I realize, you guys, I'm moving super fast on some of this. Um, if I go over, Sunday school will start a little bit later. Uh, I think this is too important to not... To not allow that. So, But Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. Please notice, all the saints in Philippi, with the overseers, another word for elders, and deacons. Now, I have a question for you to consider. Why'd they leave out the pastor? They didn't. The New Testament's polity is a plurality of elders and deacons serving with the elders, the congregation. That's the biblical model. Now, that's for another sermon, and we'll touch on that at some point. Now, you go, Dan, aren't aren't you the pastor? Let me just say very lovingly but clearly, I am one of the pastors of Pacific Coast Bible Church. Dennis, Mitch, and Roger are my fellow elders, my fellow shepherds in this local assembly. I get the gig full-time, and I love that, but we are all elders in this local church called to shepherd this body. I think that, I don't know if I've ever said this publicly or not, but now I got your attention by saying that. Um, Honestly, I think one of the main reasons for pastoral burnout is a denial of the plurality of elders in a local church. You put too much weight on one guy. He was never meant to take all that, and it can go to his head. And either he, the, the fruitfulness and everything goes well, he can shoot himself with that, or purely just exhaustion because all of it, all the pressure falls on one individual. You will not find that in your Bible, and yet our culture presses it super hard. So, local church is made up of leadership, elders and deacons, and the congregation. The majority of the New Testament's usage of this word is in reference to the local assembly. I I can't hit that hard enough because it's a note that we may not think about as often when we think of the church. We may think of the universal church, which is great and glorious, but the usage in the New Testament most often is in reference to a group of believers meeting in a particular geographical location with elders and deacons uh, in leadership and the congregation under that leadership. I, I just challenge you, if if that, if that feels different or if that's different from your church background and it's hard to swallow, um, I, I mean, I'm more than happy to talk with you about it, so are the elders, but I would just encourage you, read the New Testament and look to find out what a church polity looks like from the pages of the Word. Um, all right, so how does one join a local church? Well, before I go f- uh, any further, I want to touch on what some poor motives for church membership. And I don't mean by the folks becoming members, but by the folks who are um, seeking to pursue membership, so the leadership. These are some poor motives, and perhaps, beloved, maybe you've tasted this somewhere. I pray with all my heart you haven't tasted it here, but perhaps this is something that you've seen, heard of, or experienced. Church membership is not a method derived by man in order to get more money from quote-unquote members. Now, as a believer, that's laughable to me. But if I were a brand-new believer who's only joined bowling leagues and particular clubs, I, and I come into this building and we say, do you want to become a member? The first thought is, How, what's that cost? Um, that, that is not anywhere here. Now, generosity of the believer, a desire to give to the local church, so on and so forth, all that is biblical and right and good, and I would support that in full. But that's not the reason for membership. This is not a, we need to get more members so we can boost our finances. Okay, Number two, uh, it's not a method derived by man in order to make a class system between people. Oh, you're not a member, sorry. Um, Members only, you know, that, that whole concept. Number three, it's not a method derived by man in order to satisfy the sinful desire in certain leaders for power over other people. Now, that's one perhaps you have seen or heard stories of or tasted where, well, we want you to become a member so that way we can have a greater sense of power over you. Power trip. It's a a horrific thing, it's an ugly thing, and yet it is very much a thing because we're sinful people. Number four, it's not a method derived by man in order to develop a group of people ready and willing to follow one particular leader. This is more in the lines of like a cult, where you say, no, we're there. Who, who are you there for? Well, that guy. We, we want to follow him. And you can, sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, we love our pastor. We're here to follow him. So far from Scripture. Just so off the page of the word, beloved. And lastly, it's not a method derived by man in order to shape a group of people into a form of godliness, quote-unquote, but really just getting them to conform to the opinions of leadership rather than true biblical Christianity. In other words, Mitch, Dan, Dennis, and Raj did not sit down and go, we want these people to be like this, so let's put that in there. Let's get them to act like this. We want them to be this way. Now, my prayer, my hope is that this way is, is more of a, is a biblical-driven way, not just our mere opinions. So that way we have our little cozy group that you dress the right way, you say the right words, you carry the right Bible translation, which is ESV. And you, you, <clears throat> OK, so you me get, get my idea, that what I'm trying to communicate. It, that's, not, that's not what this is about. And yet, every last one of those that I just shared with you is not purely hypothetical. But it happens. It happens. So what's a local church member, or what is local church membership? This is a little bit wordy, so track with me. Um, This is my best shot. An individual Christian, I'll come back to that word in just a sec, communicates his or her commitment to a local church body and places themselves under the care and leadership of the leadership's leadership's care. Uh, This involves agreement with the doctrinal statement, the constitution, and bylaws of that local assembly. A church member is willing to take an active role in the life of that church family. A member is communicating their desire to be held accountable as well as hold others accountable to seek to walk in Christ. Membership of a local church is a communication of agreement and commitment. That's probably the most important statement in this whole thing is because that's the base of what I'm talking about. This is where it gets really almost borderline boring in my opinion because when we talk about church membership, it's a really heated topic for some. It's a boring topic for others, and then there's some who just do it because, yeah, I want to do it so I can be involved. I would say on all three accounts, just, just pause and think about what does the word say? And as I do that, I come down to this. Membership as a, of a local church is a communication of agreement and commitment. You are in agreement with the teaching, with the structure, with the leadership, and you are communicating that you want to be a part of that body you want their involvement in your life, you want to be submissive to the leaders of that local church, you are inviting them to come into your life. You're communicating that. Um, some folks may say, well, do I communicate that by my presence? I could step on toes here, and if I do, um, that's it's okay, but I... I tried my best, you guys, to think of some kind of illustration of this. And the best I could come up with is that I I would have questions for the believer that has been living with his girlfriend for 50 years, and you say, so are you ever going to get married? No. No, I don't want to commit. Why not? I just don't want to commit. I just want to live with her. And by living with her, I've committed. Kind of, but not really. So when a person tells me, "Um, I don't want to join a a local church, I don't want to be a member of a local church, I I just want to kind of go back and forth and hop. I just have a lot of questions. Why would you not want to be a member? Why would you not want to be a part, an active part of that local church? Why would you not want to communicate to that local church that you want to care and love and serve them and be accountable to them and for them? Why wouldn't you want to do that? I have a lot of questions in reference to that. Now, let me pause here and be uh, devil's advocate. He doesn't need an advocate, I know. But, um, But in reference to this, there may be somebody who goes, I am not convinced from the Scripture that biblical church membership is biblical, and that's why I wrestle with it. I have respect for that. How could I not? I'm going to give my best case why they should, but I understand that. That's the position of of, uh, my dad. We've had many, many, lots of discussion on this over the years. And I can can certainly respect that, but I always come back to, why wouldn't you want to be uh, communicating that to the church body? Beloved, let me read this one more time, okay? An individual Christian, how do we know they're a Christian? Well, the best we can do, we hear their profession they've been baptized they want to walk in Christ likeness they share their testimony and to the best of our ability as a congregation as leadership is that their testimony bears witness to the truth of the true gospel and that individual communicates his or her commitment to a local church body and places themselves under the care and leadership of the leadership of the le- yeah of the leadership the in- This involves agreement with the doctrinal statement, constitution, and bylaws of that local assembly. A church member is willing to take an active role in the life of that church family. A member is communicating their desire to be held accountable as well as to hold others accountable to seek to walk in Christ's likeness. Membership of a local church is a communication of agreement and commitment. Now, let me give you just a little bit of, I think, biblical warrant for why we hold to membership at PCBC and why it's important to us. Okay? So, if you would, um, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians. Well, actually, Hebrews 13 is where we're going to go first. Membership is taught implicitly in Scripture, not explicitly in Scripture. Can you think of a doctrine that we hold to, that there's not necessarily one verse that spells it out, but the weight of Scripture? Starts with a T. The doctrine of the Trinity does not necessarily have one verse that just spells out Father, Son, Holy Spirit, so on and so forth. Rather, the weight of the whole Bible tells us that Jesus is God, God the Father is God, and God the Holy Spirit is God. And then the Scripture tells us that there is one God. And so from all of the Scripture, we are forced to this doctrine of the Trinity. I say forced in the sense of the weight of the Bible pushes us to that, not in that we don't want it, but that's what the weight of Scripture does. There's actually many doctrines that we land on by the weight of what the whole Bible has to say, not necessarily one gotcha verse. I would argue in the same way for biblical membership. When I look at the doctrine of biblical membership uh, to a local church, I do not see in particularly one verse that just spells it out. Rather, I come to the New Testament with a pile of questions about three specific relationships. And every question is answered with the idea of some form of a formal membership. All right? So, um, a series of questions that are regarding the function of certain relationships within the local church leaves us with a practice of church membership. So, if you're keeping notes, track with me. Leadership to congregation, congregation to leadership, and congregation to congregation. Leadership to congregation, congregation to leadership, and congregation to congregation. Three relationships within this local church body right here, okay? Hebrews chapter 13. I asked you to turn there, and I didn't, so hang on one sec. It's in the New Testament, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> Hebrews 13:17 says, "Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you." 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm doubling these up as kind of a combo set of passages, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, that is among you, that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge. Those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be submissive to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble." Now, here's some questions that I wonder if, you've, if you have considered. I hope you have. In Hebrews 13, 17, who's the your? Hebrews 13, 17 says, obey your leaders. How do you know who your leaders are? Number two, how do you submit to them if you've never communicated your desire to do so? We call this a define the relationship moment. That's really what membership is, is you're defining, this is who I am, this is where I am, this is how I am committed, and I want to be here under your leadership. So this is congregation to leadership, okay? So how do you know who your leaders are? Number three, How does someone obey the commands of the New Testament in regards to leadership if they have no set elders in their life? You think about the Scripture, you think about 1 Timothy 3, you think about the book of Titus, you think about all the passages that make reference to church leadership and the congregation's response to the church leadership, the question is posed, who are those elders? Who Who is that church leadership in your life So that way, all these commands in the New Testament in reference to the congregation, to the elders, who are they? And if that's a flippant answer in the sense of, well, it's whichever church I'm attending that Sunday, I don't see that in the New Testament. I see a specific, clear, communicated relationship between the leadership of that local church and the congregation. And without some sense of formal leadership, and I know the word formal is icky, but that concept of communicating what is going on and communicating the nature of that relationship is vital in order for you to say, those are our elders. Those are our leaders spiritually. Okay, so leadership to congregation. Remember the passages we just read, 1 Peter 5 and Hebrews 13. Who's under their charge? Hebrews 13, 17 says that those leaders will give an account for the souls of the people in their charge. You know how many visitors walk into this building in the summer? A, a, a ton. Do I give an account? I don't know their first name. How on earth could, could Mitch, how could we give an account for the souls of people who walk in here and they're visiting from North Dakota and they're heading back for North Dakota as soon as the service is over. Beloved, there has to be a communication of who that flock is. And please notice, this is why he says, shepherd the flock that is among you, a particular body of believers in a particular location who have communicated their agreement and their desire to be under that leadership. My job's impossible if there's not some sort, and I say my job, the elder's job is impossible apart from some idea, some concept of membership. Because if I'm in charge to give an account for the soul of every human being that walks into this building, July, August, and September, I quit. Let Mitch do it. I'm out. There's no <laughs> good answer. So who's under their charge? Next question, whose souls are they accounting for? Next question, who has invited them to shepherd care and confront them? Now remember, this isn't us. The elders do not go out and say, hey, you're going to be part of the church now, so that way we're in charge of you. It doesn't work that way. There is a voluntary aspect to this where somebody says, I wish to be a part of that local church. I want to place myself in the care of this congregation i want to be submissive to these leaders i want to be committed to this local church body how can the elders of a local church know who are they called they are called to shepherd if there is no form of communication from individual professing believers that they want to be under them in the lord now guys i'll just I'll state this pretty clearly I'm not saying that there's some form of church membership explicitly given in the pages of Scripture of what it looks like. What I'm saying is I believe the New Testament forces us to some form of biblical church membership to a local church. Thirdly, congregation to congregation, how are spiritual gifts utilized apart from a local church? Now, I'm not saying that we can't at some point use our spiritual gifts in light of the life of somebody who's on the other end of the world who's a believer. But what I am saying is the New Testament, when it speaks of spiritual gifts, when it speaks of all the commands to love one another, serve one another, all those commands, the concept that's usually surrounding it, the context, is the local assembly that you're a part of. Like I said, guys, the concept of a Christian apart from the local church in the New Testament, you can't find it. This is God's design. Nobody came up with this. This isn't some man who said, I got an idea, we'll have a universal church and then a local church. No, this is God's design. God is in this. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is the one who came to Timothy and said, this is what the elders, the leadership should look like, and the congregation should look like. This gets so fuzzy in our weird world of non committalness that it it leaves us with a bunch of people, helter-skelter, running all over the place, and all these beautiful commands in the New Testament about the believer's relationship to the local church is lost. So here's the tough part. I've used words like submit. I've used words like confront. I've used words like accountability. These are all words that the world despises. Let me just give you a, a reminder from the word. All those words are sweet. They're precious, God-given, gracious. You're not eating a dirt clod, you're eating lint chocolate. This is the good stuff. Being confronted is for your good. Confronting is for the good of the body. Being submissive to godly men who want to be submissive to Christ is a good thing. Church membership is not an ugly thing. I'm not selling you a lemon, I'm telling you this is God's design. This is a good design. It's a gracious design. Unfortunately, often we judge the biblical sweetness by some of the nasty experiences that we've had. Don't do that. Don't take the fallen, broken system because of man's sin and then say that's what's wrong with church members. No, no, let the word drive. Let the word drive, not man. And and that goes for us, too, where Mitch, Dennis, and I, where we blow it tremendously. We own that, but know that our heart is sincere. We're truly seeking to follow the Lord. How are spiritual gifts utilized apart from the local church? Day in, day out, where I'm really going to be seeing a lot of my spiritual gifts used is in this building with you. It's the same for you. It's not tied to this building, but that is where we will see it most often. The Bible has no concept of a Christian who is a lone ranger with no connection to the local church. Have I said that yet? How does the congregation know who has requested accountability, love, care, etc. from them? And when you become a church member, who are you committing to? See, this is what's so cool is that when you become a member of a local church, yes, you're communicating to the leadership, but you're also communicating to the body. You're saying to this body, I'm with you. I am in Christ, and I want to be here with you. I want an active role in being a part of this local church for the benefit of you, for the benefit of me too, but I also want to be here for you. Church is not where we go to soak up the goodness. It's where we show up to help give better goodness to other people. That's what we've missed, by the way, sideline, bit of a soapbox. But I think a massive, massive blunder in the church in America is we have started to see church, and I say church, the church services, as our entertainment rather than the gathering of the saints. So we show up and we say, man, that was awesome, great music, preaching was good, blah, blah, blah. Did you talk to anybody? No. And often... And I know I'm harping, but often I would ask the question, what's the difference between that and a movie or a concert? Beloved, we have gone so, so far from the biblical model of the local church in what we call church in our country right now. And God in his grace, I think, might wound us to help us. We'll see. Lastly, um, not lastly of the sermon. Hold on. Uh, Church discipline. Let me just give you some verses. Matthew 18, 15 to 20. 1 Corinthians 5, 11 to 13. And 2 Corinthians 2, 5 to 11. Um, There's many other passages. Those are just some that I wanted to draw your attention to in reference to the fact that there is such a thing as church discipline. Now, when most people hear church discipline, they think um, somebody brought before the church and they're disciplined. That's like the the last stage of church discipline. I'm talking about the whole stage of church discipline, where the first stage may be simply a brother and a sister or a brother and brother sitting down having a cup of coffee, and there's a slight difference and a confrontation that is a blessing to both. So don't just think church discipline is this massive formal thing, because that's not what I'm speaking about per se. How is church discipline done with no communication that this individual is a Christian, A, wants to submit to the leadership, B, invites the body to hold them accountable, and vice versa? Do we just hold accountable every single individual that we ever see? Is there no communication about this? How is someone put out of the church? You see that in the New Testament, that they are put out of the church. How do you put them out of the universal church? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't compute. So it must be the local church. Remember in 2 Corinthians, Paul tells the Corinthian church to allow that man to come back. There is a removal at times. When you've reached the third level of Matthew 18, which is take them before the church, who is the church? And I've I've wrestled with this, and I I do not have all the answers on this one, you guys. I'm wrestling with it, even still. But when it says that if they, you go to them by yourself, you go to them with another person, that person wants to live in sin and will not respond to any of that confrontation, it says you take them before the church. So, do we take them before the visitor that Sunday who doesn't even know the name of the individual who's under church discipline? Do they have that right? You see what I'm saying is that the Bible causes you to scratch your head a bit with some serious questions of what does this look like and how does it function in a body? Who is to be held accountable and who has the right to hold others accountable within that local assembly? Just something to consider. Who has the right to be involved in such serious business? Now, here's a key statement and I pray that you catch this. The scripture The scriptures do not lay out just exactly how they did membership in the New Testament. So we're striving to walk in a biblical manner at PCBC, but I do not see how a local church can function apart from some form of church membership. I don't see how it can function without it. There's commands in scripture that I have no idea how to follow those commands apart from some kind of communication with the congregation to the leaders, leaders to congregation and congregation to congregation. Let me land the plane with just a few warnings. Number one, please don't judge the biblical membership, this case I've sought to make, by some abuses that you've encountered. That's not fair. Men are fallen. Fallen people trying to lead fallen people is a very difficult thing to do. So don't just say, there's no way, Dan. No, let the word drive. Don't let the abuses that you've tasted drive. Number two, this is a very serious step that should not be taken flippantly. And I mean this wholeheartedly, you guys. I did not put the sign-up sheet for this membership class out because I thought, no, I want to preach this before it's available. Because perhaps I scared you out of wanting to be a part of that class. And if so, I thank God for that. Because it is something important. It is a big deal. It's not, it's not light. Number three: join a local church for the right reasons. Consider your own motives. Consider your own motivation and why you might want to do. might want to join a local church. If, if there's, you're looking for power, you're looking for some sort of prestige, or you're. I don't know what kind of impure motive could be there, but I just ask you, just, just check your motives. And you members, check your motives why you're a member of PCBC. Number four, if you find yourself in clear disagreement with the doctrinal statement, constitution, et cetera, of PCBC, or if you really wrestle with the whole concept of church membership, but you still wish to attend PCBC, I'm officially inviting you to stay. (laughs) Of course you're welcome here. More than welcome to be a part of PCBC. I would just ask why you wouldn't want to commit to this local church. Apart from the reasons that I've laid down, I would just want to know why. Why wouldn't you want to commit to the body of Christ in this local assembly and have an active role here? And lastly, perhaps you're fairly new to PCBC and would like to wait a bit. That would actually be our preference, the elder's preference. Give it some time. Give it some time. You don't want to just meet the girl and get married that afternoon, although I've heard that happen. <clears throat> Give it some time to get to know PCBC a little bit. So last, lastly, and I mean the, the conclusion, what's the purpose of all this? And I, I could have started with this or I could have ended with this, and I decided to end with it. What's the purpose of all that I've shared with you today? The goal in this practice, and I mean this as as sincerely as I know, is is to protect and preserve the holiness, purity, and growth of the body of Christ. I mean spiritual growth. To protect and preserve the holiness, purity, and growth of the body of Christ. Our desire is for a holy people who are growing in godliness as they pursue the lost world with the precious news of the gospel. And ultimately, we wish to be people who are bringing glory to Christ. So, beloved, my, my request, my challenge to you is just think about what I've shared with you. If you disagree with me or with the elders, that's, that's fine. It's not the first time. But at least consider some of these points. Um. I feel like I became a member of the church I grew up in without understanding what I was doing. I thank God for being a member there, but I just would like for you to have your eyes wide open in making that decision or in not making that decision. If you, cho- if you signed up last week and you want to cross your name out, please. I mean, I, be wise in this. It's too important to just do quickly without thinking about it. We take it extremely seriously. Um, Sunday school will start at 12:15 or 11:15 12:15 15, 15, at 11:15 so let me let me pray Father thank you